I don't relish the idea of any of that. And there we go. Oh! No. <laughs> it never... It, yeah. it never ends. There it is, James. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, you shaved. You're wearing a baseball cap backwards. So, what's uh, is there a story behind this? Well, uh, a lot of changes are happening. Oh, yeah. um, I've become an Angels fan. Okay. So I figured I need to. Oh. Is there are there tattoos associated with this change in uh, uh, shaving and and Angels and everything? Or no, no? I, t- I told you why we can't. Why I can never get a tattoo? You guys know this already. No. Oh, mom, mom. That's yeah, right. Mom she taught you. That's right. That's James, right. do you remember why you can't get a tattoo? I don't think so. I don't remember the story. Well, we talked about this two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> did we? Yeah, no. Totally yeah. talked. Did about we talk it. about it in the podcast? Yeah, we totally did. But that's okay. <laughs> you know what? Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Screw me. I'm sorry. Ooh. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, isn't it normally the middle brother's role to get ignored on a lot of stuff? It's true. Yes. Yeah. So, the other thing too is so wow, he's he's turning the tables around. Uh, the reason why she didn't want me uh, to get a tattoo, or the reason why I don't want to get a tattoo, is she promised to haunt me, and that's not mm-hmm. a joke. Oh, yeah. She said, "I know you like tattoos, uh, but if you ever get one, I'll haunt you." And I was like, "Uh, what?" <laughs> On an unrelated note, James was starting to tell me about trapper keepers and. Similarly, Jason, is that journey? Is that a journey it album is. behind you? And Mia? It is. That album art looks very Trapper Keeper esque. It does. To be honest, I mean, that could be a Trapper Keeper if uh, uh, if somebody didn't know what they were looking at. <laughs> it's probably one of the best, I would say, prog rock or progressive rock albums that's ever come out is Journey's Escape. Mm. It's very good. It's very representative of the time it came out. And, uh, I don't know, without getting into a, a music, uh, music theory, music theory. Thank you. A lot of the, you know, rock ballads can sort of go back to a few songs that are on that album. So the year is what you said, 1984, 1985. I'm starting school. Yeah. Of course, is the oldest. Everything is mostly about me. So I'm starting school and maybe in elementary school, at least in kindergarten, I don't know that a binder or papers or anything are really that big of a deal. Yeah. But maybe by third grade or for sure fourth or fifth grade, I had papers for different classes that I needed to store. Correct. Mm. Yeah. And so prior to the invention of the trapper keeper, (laughs) how would I have stored those papers? What would have been my paper storage needs? Oh man, like the old school folders. Okay. I would even say, you know, as as brothers, we were equally tidy. Like I don't remember very many stories where, you know, our homework would get bunched up at the bottom of our backpacks or something like that or like stuffed into a lunch bag or, you right. know, kind of crammed and we're we're ironing them out at the, you know, when we get home and be like t- kind of take the creases. Mom, can you run this under the iron or something? No, right. we can't do that. No, you're right. I think mom and dad wanted us to take good care of our stuff. And even our homework, we, for the most part, took care of. Okay. But but school supplies have gotten kind of a big deal. I know Jason, um, with our niece, your daughter, had to go school supply because uh, she started kindergarten this year. And okay. was it as big of a, 
I wouldn't say racket, but you know, it, it was almost by the book, you know, when we were growing up. Oh, hold on a second. I, I'm time out for a second. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly certain, Jason, that he, we've already ended up in penalty, uh, in the penalty. Why? By the book. By the book. By the book. <laughs> yeah. If you're already there. By the book. Dang. Was that an unintentional? Um, unintentional. I didn't mean to. Uh, okay. Yeah. I should have cool. said wrote, but anyway. I, I want to call flag on the play, but we'll, we'll let it. We'll Pick let it up. See. Okay. Hey, wrote. Pick it up. Wrote is a pun too. <laughs> Yeah, we need to we need to save the penalty for later because I know he's going to drop a few okay. of them. So on school supplies, I'm going to fig- I'm going to tell you guys the most valuable resource that you never even think about are uh, grandparents. So okay. so they've okay. there, there's the hack right there is uh, say yeah you know just I want to take them school supply shopping and for them it was like this big joy and I go okay have it okay. have at it. Awesome. Because the only thing okay. more painful than going to any mm-hmm. store with uh, with your nieces is going mm-hmm. to the store with a purpose. Because mm-hmm. your whole brain is thinking, I need to get in, I need to buy what I need to, and I need to get the hell out of here. Right. And right. their whole thing is, I need to just absorb all of this at all points in time, uh, approximately every you know four and a half feet I possibly can. The other thing too is is bringing a kid to the store when they're kind of tired. This is all stuff that, by the, I don't know how grandparents and and how our parents do it. Um, yeah, but I guess this is something you, you you sort of cling on to. Oh, I missed that, or oh that that was a thing. Yeah. Well, my fabulous mother in law uh, was just like, oh, gladly take her school shopping. So she shows up and she's got everything all set up and. Of okay. course, you know, the only thing we had to really get was uh, the matching accessories, like the backpack, the mm. lunch bag, the sure. mug, that sort of thing, which was not a problem for uh, yeah. for, for Megs to, to, to get. What theme are we going with this year? What was uh, uh, like uh, Iron Maiden? Uh, <laughs> princess. Uh, yeah. Or, or Princess. This <laughs> is the two options. Or, uh, so Cinderella yeah, thinking, and okay, uh, okay. the hair. Oh, wait, band. hold on. Not yeah, that's what I was going to say. Cinderella, the hair metal band, not 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 Cinderella, the lovely Disney princess. So we okay. need to talk. Your daughter's really into Cinderella. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. she totally is. Um, does she keep talking about the bad stepsisters? No, she keeps yeah. talking about how um, you know side B of the cassette, something weird about like how the the tracks come through, and was like what? <laughs> right. Oh, right. Um, yeah. So okay. funny enough, the the Disneyland water bottle that we had, Jeff. When you were there, the yeah. like light blue one, that's uh-huh. what it all matches up. So she's got a match okay. backpack and then the lunch bag. And- now there's lunch bags, right? There's like soft, like insulated. There's no like metal or plastic lunch boxes really, right? Not really lunch boxes anymore. No. Well, how would you assault another student without a like a hard <laughs> metal lunch box? Like what could you use? The now? spork from your bento box, that's all you're doing. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. The spork. Okay. spork story i have one <laughs> okay what's your spork uh, uh story jason so houston has the art car parade which everybody knows is is a is a gigantic event for city of houston and texas and, and artists pretty much everywhere okay. where they decorate cars as fanciful as they possibly can okay and they have sort of supporting people that are either on bicycles or mm-hmm. walking alongside the car or roller skating or skateboarding just, you know, to sort of build the thematics okay. uh, around it. Well, senior year, 
We just graduated high school, and one of our friends said, hey, let's go down to the art car parade. He goes, sure, yeah, not a problem. So we go down, and we see a car that has uh, plastic utensils stuck all over it. Nice. Um, and there's a guy who is roller skating around wearing, I don't know, kind of a, a, a shimmery Daisy Dukes almost. Okay. And no helmet, you know, no shirt. He's having a good time. Yeah. Um, has knee pads, which is kind of, you know, weird. Um, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> He'll get massive road rash <laughs> exactly. wearing no shirt or helmet, but his knees, his knees he doesn't want to hurt his, his knees don't want to get scraped <laughs> up. Okay. That's fair. And, and are these, by the way, are these four wheel roller skates or these four wheel roller skates? The oh, OG, yeah. Nice. Like the, nice. the tan knock arounds that he had nice. hastily glued glitter to. Okay. Sure, so sure, this guy, sure. he's having a great time. Yeah, absolutely. I'm having a great time just thinking about him. Uh, zipping around. Okay. So he, so he was, you know, going around and right. you know he's woo, having a good time okay. and had some plastic paraphernalia, you know, glued to to his Daisy Dukes as he's going around. Oh, he had sporks on his on his on his jorts. Uh, he had all utensils. Okay. Oh, okay, not just so he, sport. Okay. Yeah, so he had kind of everything, and I think that okay. was the the theme was like, hey, you know, let's make white plastic utensil or cutlery. Like, let's make it a thing. Sure, sure, So sure. Brian, in a very sarcastic voice, goes, wow, plastic cutlery, real cool. But he says it loud enough, and this guy is wheeling around, and he kind of does a, a, I don't know, a pirouette almost. Pirouette, okay. At 360, comes back around, and he sees us all high school kids, and he lays out, and he goes, spork you, and he goes away. <laughs> <laughs> nice like everyone uh and and our car parade very busy so there's sure. probably 50 to 60 people that heard him after brian made the sarcastic comment because it was hot people were quiet right unison laughter it was it was like uh you know lots of crowd laughing and supporting laugh tracks in the background okay. Okay. Um, brian turns to all of us and says that is the lowest moment of my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, that's a, there's there's a lot there. I think uh, being insulted by someone who is clearly uh, probably been insulted many many times for their yeah. fashion choices, and then the spork you piece. It's like, okay, well, was that something that that guy uh, that that person had teed up? Like, yeah. were they ready? To, oh, I think so. Okay. He's like one of these one of these people's going to say they're, they're gonna, one of the people is going to say something to me. Right. I'm ready. But we had no idea he had sporks, like, hidden in his gloves. Mm. And so it was oh, just like... Oh, hold on a second. Oh, I think we got a new data point. Huh. Were those gloves fingerless, perhaps? They were. Oh, <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> okay. So let's, let's paint the real picture here. You have a topless man in, in Daisy Dukes. Yeah. With glitter and plastic utensils. Which, yeah. Hey, I want everyone to live their best life. And if topless with with Daisy Dukes with plastic cutlery on on them is fine, old school roller skates. Okay, we're kicking it up a notch. But hey, I'm still going along with you. I'm along for the ride. Fingerless gloves, however, that may be what takes it over the top for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can see why Brian was really hurting that day because <laughs> totally what when, when someone in fingerless gloves insults you with a cutlery related pun. I, I would have thought he would say like, go fork yourself, 
yeah. or, you know, uh, Spork you like was right. just, Spork you. Wow. and it was just the, the perfect delivery of it sure. all, you know, it, sure. it, that, that was the, the ultimate knockout punch to someone's ego fresh out of graduating high school that he was not prepared to handle. And so we all learned a valuable lesson that day, which is, uh, uh, let artists art. Okay. Do not, yes. don't, don't get in the way of yes. their vision because they will, they will make you pay for it. Absolutely. So James, I'm not sure how you're going to top Daisy Duke. I'm not, I'm not even going to, okay. I'm not ready to top that story. Okay. Um, mine, mine is literally, it's also in Houston, but basically we were at uh, Taco Bell and we were waiting for our order to come up. Uh, this was years ago during a speech and debate tournament. So we went to grab lunch okay. and literally somebody walked in and in the course of about 10 seconds, like grabbed like 40 sporks and walked out. <laughs> That's pretty much the story. Okay. So we didn't know why they grabbed the sport, the sporks, but it was pretty much that. So I think okay. we, we learned that summer or that next summer as to why they grabbed so many sporks. They glued it on an art car. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. The timing. Yeah, it, it that tracks. That tracks. So, <laughs> see, yeah. oh my gosh, it does. Yeah. You yeah. see someone out there, and <laughs> right. there you go. That gummit. They just leave these sporks on the counter. I mean, yeah. what we're gonna do? We're gonna grab some sporks. We're gonna grab some um, knives. Maybe we'll grab some spoons. I mean, whatever we want to grab. It's it's our heart's desire. Nobody's told me oh, no yet. That's crazy. <laughs> I think there is a there is a a binding social contract that we accept with all fast food restaurants is that anything is left out that's not behind the counter is ostensibly available for someone to take right so sporks hot sauce packets if you want to take a whole sleeve of napkins if you can <laughs> if you can get them out of the dispenser faster than one at a time there is a hack for that by the way um, if you can do that without them tearing in half as you remove them, those napkins are free use for everybody. So, I mean, short of taking the chairs uh, out of a restaurant, I think I think anything that's not behind the counter is up for grabs. Could you imagine the type of person that steals all of that stuff? And as they run out, they get hit by a car, like just a mess. <laughs> like, the cacophony of, of condiments and napkins. Oh. <laughs> Just everywhere, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that just reminded me, and this is a true story. This is not. This is not made up. Craigslist years ago. I'm looking for a car. I'm looking at cars. Okay, this is not going where you think it's going. Maybe it is. I don't know. So you know there are um, there are there used to be a free stuff posting on Craigslist. Mm. So mm. it's it's more or less, hey, if you can haul it away, it's yours. So mm -hmm. no warranty, no guarantee. It's there, it's free, whatever. I do remember, and this is no this is no no lie, no joke. Someone on the free stuff thing said, Hey, I have two like not trash bags, but good sized grocery bags full of soy sauce packets, ketchup packets, <laughs> mustard packets. And and this is what their ad said. They said, they said, 
I have two bags worth of condiments from restaurants um, that I don't have room for or a need for. They're free. They will be on my porch. Someone can get them. Now, if I had the time that day, just out of pure morbid curiosity, one, I wanted to go to this person's home just to see what do two grocery bag size um, <laughs> vessels of, uh, and for all intents and purposes, they had to be full or even if they're 80% full, right? Cause you don't want the bag to tear. Or I guess it's not that heavy, but you know, it's not like it's, Hey, I've got two bags filled a quarter full. These bags, no doubt were mostly full. <laughs> you know how long it took them to, to build up a collection of soy sauce and hot mustard and ketchup. I mean, the, just the, the, the economics of that alone are astounding, right? It's how many orders of orange chicken and fried rice do you need to get that much soy sauce? Okay. But then besides the morbid curiosity of what kind of person would store these things for an extended period, that's one notch. Would store them in volume, that's another notch. Would then take the time to put a free Craigslist ad to ask someone else to take them. So that in and of itself, I probably could have spent a week just understanding the psychology of that. Yeah. But we haven't even gotten to who in the hell is going to go to a stranger's house and pick up <laughs> condiment packets. Needless to say, you know, I, I, uh, I think part of me died that day is not knowing <laughs> the answer to those questions. How long so, did it take to, for you to get to their house? I didn't go. I didn't go. I mean, I really, like I said, I, I, I wish I had gone just out of, just out of curiosity to see, Hey, who's showing up for yeah. this thing. So I don't relish the idea of any of that. And there we go. Okay. Just, <laughs> just couldn't, uh, oh! no. yeah. it never, it, it never ends. There it is, James. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. We there have, we, go. we have morphed. We have morphed into Jimbo and the douche morning show. Hi, everybody. Captain James just told another joke. <laughs> oh, there it is. Oh, wow. <laughs> that character needs a name. The punny wow. chicken. <laughs> wow. wow. Anyway, I have a trapper keeper. That was the whole story, point of the story, Jason. You saw great. That. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that Velcro. Just... Yeah, that noise. It's so distinctive. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> You know, there are a few things that sound like that noise that yeah. you can replicate from your childhood, but like 22 of those just going in. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like it's, hey, need you to get this out and stuff. So and then well, um, because I, I got hand me downs, I never got the Trapper Keeper. OK, <laughs> I had the weird like click, you know, the five star or whatever, which is. You had a five star. Five star. Uh, that's still that's still a good quality mead product. I mean, there it was, but that's okay. how you could tell that um, you know the kids with the trapper keeper going and the way they went. I had to unzip it because oh, you mm. have the zippered one where it's everything is secured inside yep. it, and so half the corners on my pages were just gone. Mm. Right, it's like or half the the pages were missing corners because of how they get caught in the zipper. Oh, that sounds really bad, actually. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anything caught in a zipper is never a good idea. Yeah, 
No. If there's anything we learned from there's something about Mary, uh, zipper uh, zipper malfunctions are bad. Yeah. It reminded me of something though when we were talking about like papers. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I don't know if you guys did this, James. You mentioned how overall we were fairly organized. Um, you two might be surprised to know that I'm still not completely organized uh, in many ways. And uh, but. One of the things that I did, and I would say in high school, I stopped putting like papers and folders and stuff like that. You know, mm. I got to the point where it's like, hey, look, if I can produce the assignment on time, most of the time I feel pretty good. It did create some moments where I remember for uh, Mr. Cooper's English class having a, a paper, an assignment that we had been you know, supposed to work on for, for months um, that last day that it was due, I stayed up all night. Um, mm -hmm. I drank, I remember at the time, do you guys remember Jolt Cola? Jolt yeah. Cola. Mm -hmm. so Jolt Cola had the equivalent of two bottles of Coca-Cola or, you know, pick your Dr. Pepper, et cetera, Pepsi, if you're, if you're feeling it. Um, they had mega Jolt Cola at the, mm -hmm. uh, like Circle K or Diamond Shamrock in Rosenberg. And Mega Jolt had twice the caffeine of regular Jolt. And I remember the only way that I stayed up all night finishing that paper was every two hours I had another Mega Jolt Cola. So for eight hours, I had four Mega Jolts. And so let me do that math really quick. I'll try not to take a shoe off. So if one Mega Jolt is equal to two Jolts, which is equal to two Cokes, I had the equivalent of 16 20 ounce coca-colas over the course of eight hours the great news was i don't think i slept for like a week after that <laughs> possibly with a side of heart palpitations but i was so far behind on my work that i actually missed the first four periods of school because i was still typing it on the word processor that we, yeah, we yeah. discussed previously but at some point you got to call it like hey i'm not going to finish it so I think I went to school, maybe I missed the first three periods, trying to finish as much as I could typed because it was supposed to be typed. So then mm -hmm. I get to school and I'm handwriting the last of the paper in my other classes. All that to say, I think that being organized was not really my forte, planning, not really my forte. Instead of folders, I would just take the piece of paper and fold it in half and put it between the, the front of the book and the pages. So... Yeah. A, a good sized textbook, you guys can hold like 50 or a hundred pages worth of, of homework <laughs> and handouts in there. However, imagine if you're walking down the hall and you drop your books, <laughs> you know, what happens to all those papers, right? Yeah. Or one of your friends comes up and does a back tip and yep. away they go. They go skittering or scattering. I'm not sure what the right <laughs> word is throughout the rotunda at Lamar Consolidated High School. And my feeling was, hey, I am not going to stop a la some bad 80s movie and pick up my papers because of how nerdy I am. I have my papers strewn about. I just kept on walking. I grabbed the book and I kept on walking. So, yeah, at least once oh, man. my homework, handouts, all that stuff were strewn uh, in, in one of the hallways. So... But if I had a trapper keeper, they would have been completely secured. So the joke was on me. Well, yeah, like that's if trapper keepers, like we believe the marketing on it. But I do because I'm obviously a sucker for 
nostalgia. Sure. So of course I'm going to buy a new Trapper Keeper. You mentioned I draw my papers and pick it up like a nerd. You were the least nerdy, I thought, of, of the three of us. And not to say, Jason, you were more, I wouldn't say manly or athletic, but, you know, like... I would say that Jeff, you were the least. You seemed to me to be the least nerdy in in adolescence. Would you agree with that? I'll, I'll let Jason weigh in on that first, as he as the <laughs> camera dramatically pauses. Yeah. So, so are you saying that Jeff, out of the three of us, was the least nerdy? Yeah, I think that's a pretty. I, I believe that he was the most acclimated to approaching high school as a cool kid. Okay, more so than you or I were. So, you know, as far as nerdiness, you know, he had his own nerdisms, but was able to repress those by playing things such as football, uh, playing sports Mm. such as football, which kind of kept, kept it down. And uh, I I think you guys also, you were the last uh, stanchion of Boy Scouts are neat. They're not cool, (laughs) they're neat. Yeah, the connotations for for being a scout were, were definitely different over time. There's mm-hmm. so many cool things that I think individually and collectively we got out of being in scouts. Yeah. Um, certainly dad busting out my tooth at a scouting event was one actual tangible uh, benefit of scouting, but yeah, it's another story for another day. But that, as far as like the coolness factor, James, yeah. I think that Jeff was probably the most, you know, adapted to handling the trials of high school more so than we were. Um, and, and I think also part of it was, is, you know, the social circle he designed around himself was ones that he wanted to have around him because of who yeah. he was mm-hmm. by himself. Yeah. You and I are, I'm going to, I got to stay in my circle, but I just tried to bounce from group to group and mm-hmm. not, you know, really keep myself defined. That didn't happen until after high school. So it's like, I, you know, by, by kind of bouncing around or going to different groups, it's like, I didn't, I didn't really find a place. So I was very misfitish, I think. Mm-hmm. And I had good friends. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I still think that, um, it was kind of a weird reflection to go back to my reunion this year. Yeah. How was it? That was a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, not that long ago. Yeah. About six ish, seven weeks ago. Um, that was a 20 year, 20 year. Yeah. Wow. But how much different I was, you know, after high school to get away from it all, to get away from the bubble, you know, mm-hmm. that is where we grew up and the bubble that is, you know, what I, what I was trying to be, which was, didn't, didn't obviously play out. I was ignoring who I really, really was. Um, which is a roller skating, Daisy Duke wearing right. plastic utensil lover. <laughs> I mean, I'm just glad you're finally living your truth. You, mm-hmm. you embrace who you really are. You know, the R-Suds, which is what we call ourselves, roller skating utensil dancers. Um, So, you know, we have... All the closer utensil dancing. (laughs) That's right. No. Uh, No, no, that actually was our theme song. Um, Sir Elton called us and, uh, yeah, it was... uh, We had to do... uh, I can't even remember what what the new song is. It's it's voted out for committee right now, but... Sure, sure, okay. (laughs) Okay. No, but finding, you know, your kind of true self after high school and some people find it during high school uh, yeah. and are comfortable and can, you know, live with that. Yeah. Uh, but the type of guy who I know is, is sure of himself has to drive uh, a Chevrolet Caprice classic wagon with peeling vinyl 
and you know can still be so sure of himself to bring him and his buddies to ZZ Top. You know, like yeah. that's that's the level of coolness that that I think Jeff was, which is just like, uh, is I said was that's not appropriate, but was in high school. I, I looked up to you a lot, okay. but me being you know six years younger, yeah. knowing I was going through you know kind of acclimation of of middle school yeah it sucked it was atrocious to have to deal with but like i knew you were cool to me because and we're going to get to a like a touching moment not uh i'm sorry that sounds bad a heartfelt moment yeah Yeah. (laughs) i just for the record want to say there was no touching (laughs) there's no touching I love you. You're my brother, <laughs> but there was no touching moments. None. None. I'm so uh, sorry. Yeah. It's wow. What, yeah. Wow. That, that, uh, uh, so, anyway. and again, for anyone who has been in that situation, <laughs> we are apologizing in advance. It was a very serious situation. We are not making light of it at all. However, nothing happened between Jason and I. This Nothing. is a nervous laugh. It is not a laugh at a circumstance that people have gone through. No. Uh, so, so get, get back to your uh, sentimental moment. How uh, you were cool is okay. when you were working, yep. you had made it to where I could read your car magazines. Mm. However, mm. you want, like you were fine. You just said, just put them back where they, where they go. Okay. Okay. But Hey, read up on them, learn about them. And then we'll talk about it when I get home. And we okay. always did. It's, and I remember Oh gosh, this is going to not be cool. But when you were 15 or 16, I still remember the car you wanted was the Toyota Celica. Mm. And that was that the four headlight. Cool. It, it had gone from the pop-up yeah. headlights to the four headlights. And you're like, yeah. I love that car. That's such a yeah. cool car. Like I want that. And yeah. I still remember, you know, that listening to Boston with you yeah. and the Sansui speakers which aren't behind me now, but they're in the other room. Right. You know, that was, right. that was a really, really cool moment. And then um, in similar vein with James, I knew that he and I could play video games together and, yeah. and, and sort of be goofballs with each other without you know, right. mm-hmm. that. And so unfortunately for James and myself, because we were more exposed nerdy, it made mm-hmm. us as to, uh, it made me as a target. Sure. You're saying you were more visibly, like outwardly nerdy is what yeah. you're saying. It feels like in the last 20 years, but even the last 10 years, I would say that it's been kind of cool to be a nerd. And, and meaning it's cool to be passionate about something, to, um, you know, to be involved with it. Again, um, just for the record, I have not been to a high school in many, many years I'm not hanging around high schools. I don't know where <laughs> high schools are. I, I don't have a legal block from being near a high school. Let me also make that statement. But I don't know if if kids in high school who do all kinds of different things, whether it's music or or other kind of visual arts or or you know speech and debate or or sports or whatever. I don't know if those kids would be you know considered cool or not or things like that. But but, uh, but I understand what you're saying, Jason. So I, I, it does feel like things have moved in a, in a positive direction overall where, hey, if somebody likes something, 
they can find like-minded people that have that same same deal. And maybe it's not in person at school. Maybe it's online. Maybe it's at another school across town or whatever. So, James, what what do you think about your own? Uh, and you also had the the blessing or the curse of living in high school, pretty formative years in two different places. I mean, Rosenberg, Texas and uh, uh, the Bay Area could not be more different. I feel like I knew I knew I was I knew I had the capability of being uh, creative or unique, but I didn't think I had the chops to be mm-hmm. a full-blown le- nerd. Like what I knew where I, you know, Jason mentioned Misfit. I would even say, and not to, to push back on that, Jason, but Misfit would imply to me, like you didn't feel like you had a place that you belonged. Um, whereas I think you felt maybe in high school that you just roamed from group to group because you knew you could fit everywhere. You know, you knew the, uh, you had a place of like, mm. hey, I want to do band mm. or hey, I want to do theater or hey, I want to do speech and debate. So you were you were a roamer in the best way and you fit in, you know, in a lot of ways I experienced you or you seemed to me that you moved from group to group in maybe a, a more optimistic or positive way. I, I wanted to be that in high school. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't. <laughs> I think. Well, what about. Been, yeah. What about you know, the whole Texas versus California thing. Did you see a difference there? Um, I think even going back, like, you know, without making it too maudlin, I think that I, I had to figure out how to grow up faster and like kind of be more adultish, uh, mm-hmm. in, in the last two years of, or a year and a half of high school. Cause I moved to California middle of my junior year. So all of the right. preparation of you know, going to college and being like, I need to take my SATs. That's all gone, you know? And then you have to basically, it uproots your, and again, this is, I would say a choice, quote unquote, but you know, there's a, to to me, it's, it's pretty much when you, you learn that lesson to be, you know, a, a, you know, a, a young adult, if you will, sooner. And so you almost recognize you know, maybe in some ways that the clicks or the the roles, like if Jeff was an athlete, you know, Jeff wasn't a quote unquote jock, but Jason, you weren't also quote unquote, you know, creative. It's like, those don't matter. Like what matters is, you know, how, how secure your identity is kind of going into um, what you, you know, if you feel like you're expressing your authentic self. So Texas felt authentic for a while. And then there's a point where mm-hmm. it didn't. And then California, I tried, but by the time I graduated, I actually felt I had moved past what I was doing Mm. out of college. So, uh, and weirdly, I gravitated towards my first job at Blockbuster, which I think a lot of, you know, us do, Jeff, your first job, Jason, your first job, you know, we, we, we go to what calls to us a little bit and Blockbuster wasn't my first job, but it was the first one that nurtured my, um, you know, like identity a little bit more the fact that i could be uh i would say not openly nerdy but just like not apologetic and it was almost like um if i took if i took the misfit role as well or if i took that title of saying i literally didn't fit anywhere because i took myself out of the equation in texas and moved to california while i'm putting myself back in this like blockbuster equation pre-internet well not pre-internet, sorry, 1999, they, they were, the internet was there, but pre-Netflix or whatever, where okay. you can look up everything on your phone. And even Google was new, but it's like, you know, the prevalence of like, you can go to a book and say who, you know, directed so-and-so, like right. you can just come to me or something like that. And yeah. I had the benefit of doing voices and all that stuff. Yeah. It, it takes a certain to what you're thinking, what you're saying, I think is 
it take a certain it takes a certain amount of appreciation uh, for film and movies, and then it doesn't all have to be you know high class, highbrow entertainment. It can be hey, just something that's silly and fun. You can get that in a blockbuster in 1999. Yeah, and you could also feel feel comfortable to be yourself because chances are one or more of your coworkers have that same, that same thing, whether it's the, um, is it trauma, you know, those films, right. Yeah. The, uh, uh, what are they called? The trauma film. Yeah. Trauma film. What's the, their yeah. main one though. It's the, their big one. Toxic Avenger. Toxic Avenger. So you could have, you could have a coworker that's really into trauma. Right. And, yeah. and that's okay. And then you could have somebody else that's like, no, no, no I love, uh, Fellini or I love spaghetti Western or, or whatever kind of genre um, blockbuster certainly would have, have appealed to a lot of folks like that. So yeah, I got you. There's a, there's a love of, I think even too, there's a love of facts and nostalgia, even going back to when I was in elementary school of just kind of constantly learning and stuff. So if anything, uh, the misfit side of me is and the introvert, as an adult side of me is very gravitated towards those aspects of nostalgia and fact and, you know, um, literary side of things, which makes me, I would say out of the three of us, not the least athletic, but the most nerdy. Um, and if you disagree with me, feel free to, uh, we can have a, uh, uh, academic on it if you want. <laughs> you're the, you're definitely the most nerdy. I, I will, Jason, do you second that emotion? Uh, Jason, James, you are the most nerdy of the three of us. But I say that with with pure love. I, I think that's part of what makes you special and and uh, and awesome is you can nerd out on some things, James. That frankly, I, I don't know that much about. Uh, we we all remember the Toxic Avenger. Yeah, we've all found what I what I feel is our our social tribe or our you know our, our calling in a sense to to be surrounded mm. by those around that we want to be near. Mm. Um, yeah, and and that's. Part of the cool thing about growing up in and having the ability to sort of not do the same regular cadence things that you're told to do that we right. had that was a very unique, I would say, um, opportunity in comparison with a lot of my friends, right? Oh, you had to go do this. Yeah. So you had to go do that. You have to blah, 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 blah. And, and, and it was almost like a programmatic schedule. And they now, guess what? They didn't move, but 15 miles away from home. And they're right. in the same, you know, sort of bubble and the same sort of exposure cycle that they've lived with. And sometimes yeah. people are okay with that. Um, you know, they have escapes in other ways. And then sometimes people just, they can't do it anymore or they make a rash decision or they, you know, ma make a major change in their life. I, I think that if there is a, um, an appreciation to the way that we grew up as, as, quasi fragmented as it became, you know, for, for me, mm -hmm. especially later on. Yeah. Um, it's the fact that, you know, we, in a sense, were able to, to have freedoms. Yeah. I'm not going to give my daughters the same level of freedoms now. I mean, obviously when they get a little bit older, it, it's going right. to be a lot different. And, and, uh, what's funny is, is, um, our, our pastor at church, he jokes about it. He says, you know, you spend, so much time when you have kids or when you have, you know, nieces or nephews around to not screw them up, you know, in the way that your parents screwed you up in. Right. So you screw right. them up in new and interesting, fun ways. Right. <laughs> it's right. true. <laughs> no, it's true.
But Jason, you hit on something just now, and, and I want to circle back to it. It's this this idea that you know where we grew up in was certainly a smaller town at that time. It's grown a ton. In fact, I think you know the, the area that we grew up in today is obviously way different than it was uh, ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, etc. Um, but in many ways, it hasn't changed because a lot of the people are still there and there is no judgment on that. I think where we grew up was a great place to grow up. Um, there's good values there. There's, you know, proximity to kind of a bigger city in Houston. Certainly the humidity leaves something to be desired in, in, in that area. But <laughs> but I think um, I think it, it's a it was a neat place to grow up. And I also can imagine a lot of the people that we grew up with like that about where we grew up. They like the the values that are there and things like that. And and it's, you know, it's, it's comfortable in many ways. And so mm. when I say it's comfortable, there's no judgment. Um, but at the same time, um, it is harder to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. And tons of my classmates that I can remember would go to one of a handful of schools in Texas, very few left Texas at all. And then when they graduated, if they had the ability to, they wanted to come right back to where we grew up. To your point about kind of, um, and this is what I wanted to speak to with, you know, uh, who's the most athletic or nerdy. Clearly, I am not the most athletic anymore. James, I would actually say you're the most athletic now of you, Jason and I, uh, meaning you do the most athletic things with your, you know, your biking and all that stuff. Yeah. Jason, you play softball and I think you go to the gym or work out or you just chase children around all day. Your children, but still chase children around all day. Um, uh, but, but, you know, but, but I, I'm, I say that because. What I loved about the way that we grew up, and I definitely think that, you know, the mom and dad inspired this in us and we had it within each other as well, was we weren't limited to kind of one interest or another. We all had multiple interests. Mm -hmm. So if I think about like for me personally, in high school, junior high and high school, I played football. Part of that, I'm sure, was a response to like, Jason, you got to do uh, baseball, t-ball, soccer. You did some things through the Y and other places that I never did any organized sports outside of those mm -hmm. six years in junior high and high school. Um, and I was fine with that. Um, I had no desire to do anything else. Soccer has too much running. Baseball definitely has a lot of running. Um, <laughs> and I lack the hand-eye coordination to play basketball well. So football was fun, but I also did speech and debate and theater arts and, and uh, you know, different things like that. Um, and I think all three of us, it's part of why we're on this call today, why we've done this, is we're all a little bit wacky and 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 we like to make each other laugh and make other people laugh. And so there's those creative things that we have. What's interesting to me though, Jason, is besides the sports, until you shattered your was it your femur or your what bone did you break? Uh, so it was a tib fib fracture after okay. uh, standardized testing, just a pickup game, and the the kid you know kicked my leg and I kicked the ball. Right. Right. Pick up soccer game. Though, Pick right? up soccer were, game. Yep. Yeah. Okay. But had you not broken your tibia and your, and your fibula, do you think you would have played soccer in school or you would have played another sport in school? I, it would have been likely, right? Yeah. I probably would have uh, tried to uh, play football and, and okay. uh, baseball. Okay. Problem with baseball okay. is, you know, there's, it's so competitive when you get to a certain age that, sure. you know, when you start kind of behind, it's, you can work as hard as possible, but, Unfortunately, there's a financial commitment that started to hit like yeah. right when I was 
going into it. And so, yeah. you know, that, that was the, it's hard to do that without resources. Absolutely. And, and I think that, um, soccer was the same sort of thing after I'd gotten yeah. recovered. It's just like, I missed that sort of cut. Um, yeah. and then, you know, I didn't, I didn't hit my growth spurt until, uh, junior ish year. Mm. I mean, I was five foot three, um, I was like five feet when I started the freshman year. And then I was five, three after sophomore year. Okay. I mean, it was tiny. Wow. Um, okay. And then okay. high school, I graduated five, nine, five, 10. Okay. So it was about dad's okay. height. Maybe it was, yeah, okay. it was about his height. You're still growing. I was, yeah. After high school is when I, when I, when I, when I got to six, one ish. Yeah. Wow. So I was 19 when that happened. I was like, whoa. Well, what's interesting to me, Jason, is that you got also really good at, of course, the trumpet, cornet, and then French horn, right? Or was it just trumpet and French horn? Yeah, it was uh, trumpet and French horn. So cornet, okay. trumpet, French horn. Okay. Okay. And there's a progression there, right? Like a lot of kids play the cornet, but you may not be good enough to play the trumpet. And certainly most kids are not good enough to play French horn, right? Because it takes some discipline and things like that. Yeah, which I hated it. I mean, it was, <laughs> you know, I liked playing the trumpet because it was fun, but because right. I had bird lips, they're like, hey, bird lips, come on, play the French horn, go ahead. You know, it, nice. the problem was, is like, I would say with, with that instrument, uh, uh -huh. you know, you talk about just penalizing me to date girls in high school. Like I was, I hit. Are you saying the French horn is one of the least macho instruments in the band no i'm saying you need to be built like a linebacker in order to play it and still get chicks like without having um, like whoa whoa chicks let's uh let's tone down the toxic i'm going back to 14 year old uh, jason's brain uh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, you know uh, it's, yeah, it's something yeah, we should not okay. ignore in the way that we used okay. to talk stop That's trying okay. to be a history rewriter over here uh, uh oh, uh -oh. <laughs> now we now we well we've we've certainly we've certainly stirred uh stirred something up okay so, all right no but but uh, you know, you're you're it's not a very um masculine you know instrument. Yeah, it's not the drums it's not the drums yeah it's, it's not the drums <laughs> That's yeah. the thing is I was friends with all the people that were in percussion and, and, you know, yeah. played the like, Hey ladies. And then you realize that you just, right. you look like a total, uh, what is it? Uh, Neanderthal. When you play the drums. Right. Yeah. You look like animal from the Muppets. <laughs> he is, uh, Regardless. I mean, he, yeah. yeah, he does have the most <laughs> outward, outward testosterone of all of the Muppets, Certainly. you know, Certainly, Fozzie Bear, Fozzie Bear, his voice and comedy routines that, that, do not scream, uh, uh, you know, aggro masculine uh, energy. Shakespeare, no, you don't, animal. Okay, uh, so you're playing, you're play, playing one of the least, um, yeah. macho instruments, mm -hmm. um, uh, admittedly, the clarinet as a man is, is, or the flute again. For all the flautists and clarinetists out there, more power to you. But those were definitely not macho instruments either in high school. Yeah, the only okay. reason why you're playing that those types of instruments is to get a, a college scholarship, right? Okay. And, okay. And and that's okay. totally fine. And I simply right. did not care. I hated my band director when mm. the other one moved. And it was okay. it was a miserable experience. He was he was not only um you know not it was just very um, rude. 
And for me in high school, when it comes down to it, it's you're going to get quips all the time. But, right. you know, getting blamed for stuff, if I'm not saying it, I, I, mm. I remember I, I it was junior year. I was having just not a very good time in marching yeah. band. And he was chirping at, you know, freshmen and mm. chirping. Sounded like Mars Attacks guy, just trying to get people to stand <laughs> in line, do something. Okay. And it's like, sure. we're all hot. And I, and I looked at him, I said, Hey, can you calm down? Which well, you don't do that in my class. Or blah, blah, blah. And he tried to make an example out of me. And I remember I politely put my French horn back in the case. I sealed everything up and he said, where are you going? You got to play. And I was like, no, you're going to find someone else. And I just walked out. And I remember wow. going to the, uh, uh, counselor at that time. And, mm-hmm. It was, you know, a tough couple of years for me, and I'm sorry to, to reflect on this, um, but it was tough. You know, James had moved to California, and, right. you know, Mom and I had just gone through the move, and, mm-hmm. you know, we're living in a place, and I just, I just didn't want to deal with it anymore. And I, yeah. and I kind of, I called, you know, bullshit to this uh, egotistical band director. I'm like, bro, look, we're in Rosenberg, Texas, okay? It's, it's 2002, take a deep breath. Like there's so much world to be able to experience out here. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're chirping at like 14 year olds for, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. And, and I think that, um, I had no, you know, sort of, of willingness. I, I feel that I was talented enough to try and go for one of these things, but I just didn't want to anymore. I lost the interest yeah. because of, of his poor sort of choice. But I remember going into the office and saying, I got to get out of this, this class. And they go, what happened? And I said, he's just really rude to all the students. And, you know, I'd like to talk to the principal. And this is the the thing that, that learning in speech and debate is you learn how to talk to adults as an adult, yeah. even though you're a kid. And it teaches you right. it, like the most impactful skill set for, you know, how to listen and interpret what others may be saying to you. Um, yeah. And I no, it's yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. And I just asked, I said, I don't have a cell phone. Can I call my mom? Sure. Yeah. I called mom and I said, Hey, you know, I've had run-ins with this guy before. I don't want to be suspended. I don't want to cause any sort of trouble. I just can't be in band anymore. And she's like, okay. But I, yeah. but I said my piece and, and, you know, we talked about it when we got home and she said, I'm kind of disappointed because of how, you know, much you loved it. And I said, yeah, but, you know, I just, I don't want to be tolerating that in the yeah. way that he talks to people. Well, there is something that I think really quick. And then James, I want to, I want to uh, mention or ask you as well, uh, Jason, there's something about, I think part of our, our love for music, just in, in listening to it, um, uh, different genres, whatever, but even playing music definitely comes from both. Um, I think, you know, dad's side, you think about uh, Mac, you know, so our great grandfather, who was a professional piano player and did all these things. It was amazing. Um, and also mom. I mean, mom played flute from when she was a little girl through high school and college. And even as an adult, I remember, you know, every once in a while she could take her the, the flute out and still play. And um, and it was, you know, 20 years of muscle memory that, that she had and all that stuff. And so, so I I suspect Jason, that part of why you stayed in band as long as you did, um, uh, even in spite of maybe 
the director wasn't wasn't very nice and and kind of pushed you away in some ways uh, was out of a a, a a connection to mom and Mac and things like that. So, you know, I, I could see that it, it's kind of sad to your point that, hey, something that should be so fun and enjoyable started to become way less fun in part because of that one that one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does take, man, massive uh, stones to stand up to a yeah. teacher and still be respectful, not in a, you know, you weren't going to throw a chair across the room or anything like that. That's not how we were raised. Um, <laughs> Could you imagine uh, the viral video of just Jason yeah. calmly yeah. folding away his, his yeah. and it's like, right. oh my gosh, look what's about to happen. Nothing happens. Right. It's just the opposite right. of right. that viral but, video. But Jason, I think um, uh, uh, it sounds like that was a tough time and sorry that we haven't talked about that too, too much, but, but, you know, I think you're better off for kind of ending that on your own terms, like you said, versus getting suspended or the director saying, hey, I'm going to kick you out. The other thing, the lesson that I get from that experience or just reinforcement is sometimes when people are in their own little sphere of influence, Hmm. even if it's not really that important, it's important to them. And if you push them too hard in their own sphere of influence, they will just shut down. Instead of them being able to take a step back and say, hey, man, you're talking about kids here. Yes, you're trying to instill discipline. You're trying to get them to follow a process, um, but there's also a way to handle it. And if they're really out of line, if the kids aren't following his directions, say the freshman that he's chirping at, pull them aside or have them step to the side, address that later. But every time they stop to maybe belittle or, or redirect, you know, maybe they thought they were doing it the right way, they actually probably hurt way many, way more students than they knew. James, you never played organized music in school, right? You just no. did speech and debate? Yeah. Well, for, yeah. Yeah. How did you not end up playing music? Because you're such an accomplished, you know, um, uh, pianist. Uh, now, did I use that right? He's an accomplished pianist? Yeah. Jason, is that how it's... I'm uh, not going to comment, but James is literally a musician now. So I'm that's not all a, I'm going to say. <laughs> he plays the I piano. Only, yeah. <laughs> and I can only play by ear, but... Like I just never like, and I had keyboards growing up, but I think like yeah. part of it is just getting that constant reinforcement. The the biggest opportunity I had was in seventh grade. Um, you all know that, um, or maybe it was in eighth grade. I volunteered to play Christmas carols in Spanish and English um, okay. as part of the the Spanish class. It was really cool. Cool. And they said, "Oh, like James, you have a piano at home. It's like you can play piano and yeah, learn these." these like seven Christmas carols and stuff. And I only mm-hmm. knew how to play by ear. So here's me playing like in, you know, the key of G and it's like, you know, Oh, I know how to play jingle bells and mm-hmm. like know the chords and stuff. And then we finally get there the night of, and like the choir is supposed to sing along with me. And, I, and they're like, Hey, let's practice for, before we go, let's play jingle bells. And I start playing in the key of G and then they start singing in the key of C. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Like I didn't know, I didn't, I played by ear so much that I didn't know how to read oh, music. change keys. Yeah. And I didn't mm. know like where my fingers went. So it was like, oh, I had to relearn it from scratch or something. So that was yeah. a huge, not disaster, but I just never gravitated towards it until, um, really it was technology, uh, you know, coming in. My first musical experience was the Game Boy camera. And Jason, you've heard this. I still have a record of the Game Boy camera album somewhere. Uh, Tuna Fish Casserole. Tuna Fish Casserole was the album after 
but yes, there was an album called Tuna Fish Casserole in 1999, which I think I have a cassette nice. tape I came across. And wow. it's introduced, I, I, I have it online somewhere, but it's introduced of me like trying to do like the announcer voice. Jason, have you heard okay. this? Do you remember me saying, now presenting the number one album in America, Tuna Fish Casserole. And it's literally no, it, was, just- it was Tuna Fish. <laughs> Oh, he added a dramatic pause. Yes. I did. Yeah, wow. it's pretty bad. Um, anyway, and I have that somewhere online, but it's really okay. Fun. But um, okay. but it's fun. Yeah, my, it was fun. That's the whole point. Is like you, our experience with music and how music is played, and even like going back to like how our adolescent experiences, the the roles that we had, um, how it's played throughout the life. Like Jeff, you don't identify yourself as a nerd dropping books and like picking it up or maybe not even an athlete or whatever, but like you are who you are right now. And that's, what's really cool is you can go back and be like, Oh, that was kind of nerdy or Jason. Oh, that was kind of athletic. And we always have that. So I'm always going to have puns. So sure. No, I think it's, um, the, the last thing I'll say is, and I've said this now for almost 20 years, you know, I was a car nerd as a kid, you know, going back to the auto shows Mm -hmm. and grabbing all the brochures and reading, you know, four car magazines a month, you know, motor trend, car and driver, automobile, road and track, you know, every single month religiously Mm -hmm. did that for years and years and years and years and years. And so, um, and all of us are smart enough to a point that we're also able to, I think, fairly well uh, uh, retain things fairly well. And so, um, so I think about that. I always said, hey, I was a car nerd before I got into the car business. Mm -hmm. Since then, I've been paid to be a car nerd, mm. and uh, and yeah, there are absolutely silly things that 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 I know about cars, and 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 you guys know as well that that have zero value uh, overall in society. Um, but it's nerdy, but that's okay. Um, you know, uh, even I was telling James, I was telling Jason that uh, coming up this weekend, I'm going to go to the Meekum auction, mm. and I love seeing collector cars and classic cars and just cars. Overall, um, I get excited about just oddball cars that I see. Um, it's great because uh, cars are fun. You know, I, I was telling a, a, a coworker today, uh, we were talking about kind of what we do. And I said, you know, cars are fun. Like, hey, if we sold catheters or bedpans or, uh, you know, uh, afterlife services, cremation, stuff like that, um, I, I know the people that are in that industry uh, take take reverence for what they do and take it seriously because they're helping a lot of people. Um, but I don't know that they have as much fun as people win the car business. Uh, I, I can't imagine that catheters are fun in any way, shape or form. Um, they serve a purpose, but you know, like, like cars are fun. So sometimes you, uh, yeah, you'll get someone to go, woo, but it's the wrong yeah. kind of woo. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. When you hear woo, when you hear woo in the catheter business, <laughs> it's, it's not, uh, it's, it's, it's not. Wow. Wow.